Ooh, 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 tested negative. Ooh, 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 that's the opening bit. <coughs> Turn up the record cause the song's just begun. I'm smashing pumpkins like it's November 1. Hello everyone and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello everyone. Yes, Jessica's doing much better this week. Yes, thank you. How you feeling, Jess? I just said what feeling great. (laughs) (laughs) No, it took two weeks. And at what was it like day 15, I took a test and I was negative. It's so funny, too, because like, you know, California and I assume a lot of other states, they're like, if you begin to show COVID symptoms and you've tested positive, uh, don't go out for what was it, 12 days or something or 10 days, 10 days. And like on the 10th day, we were seeing all the improvements. I'm sure it's not that way for everybody, but for Jessica, it really did happen to work that way, like on the 10th day. Yeah, it was on like day 10, yeah, or 11 that I was finally like, oh, I'm finally starting to feel better. I can I can walk from the kitchen to the couch <laughs> oh. with my tea and not get winded. <laughs> right. And at one point... <coughs> Excuse me, I still have a little lingering cough Well, there. I was going to say is at one point, like I was noticing, you know, after Jessica had tested positive for COVID and she had all these symptoms at one point like the the heavy symptoms seemed she like she seemed to be getting better but we thought she still had symptoms do you need to get rid of that stuff on the table in front there's of you there's a bug oh. uh and it's freaking me out and I don't know if it's alive or not it's got four legs but it looks ah, like a tiny just beetle. squish it I'll squish it I'm I sorry. don't want to kill one of God's creatures uh. It could be like a flea or something. It's not a flea. It's too big to be a flea. It's definitely something. Well, riveting podcast. That wasn't content. my jam to have to kill a bug for you in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> like a man. That's what a man does. So anyway. Is my voice going to stay nice and deep no. and rasp, you know? <laughs> no. My advice, like now, to anyone who maybe gets heavy COVID symptoms is at some point, based off of Jessica's experience, at some point you may actually be like done with the main infection and you may actually be past, you may find yourself in a shotgun shack, you may find yourself, I don't know why I started thinking of that talking head song, but you may find yourself uh, with a beautiful wife and you'll ask, how did I get this beautiful job and this wonderful wife? Whatever. Jessica, at one point, like, the symptoms had subsided, but she was still coughing and winded all the time. And then we kind of figured out, oh, she might be recovering now physically from the trauma of the symptoms. But man, the state of California is coming after me. They still think that I'm testing positive. I I got an email the other day. Okay. I got two texts Uh that's like, you tested positive. This is the California state government letting you know that oh, you yeah. tested positive. They're going like, to come knocking thanks. down your door with the stormtroopers, storm and they're going to outlaw Christianity. What? I getcha. I getcha, Miss, uh, what? <laughs> Miss Conspiracy Theory. Absolutely not. The masks are just the no, beginning no, 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 no. to <laughs> training us to give away <laughs> no. our liberties. No, you have, you have completely misread that. I'm like, wow, that's 
frightening and amazing how how <laughs> California I, is like, yo, we know that you have COVID. And I'm like, no, but I took an at-home test and I finally came back negative. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to go out and get another like official test so that they stop texting me not to go places. Right. Because they keep emailing and texting me not to go anywhere. And I'm like, no, I'm okay now. I well, swear. Well, as soon as you step 50 <laughs> feet away from your property, they're like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Like, like penguins and they're like we know you've left your property but we did like the day after jessica was like pretty much 100 percent better other than like the damage to her lungs at the moment we went to a movie i that's why i tested i wanted i was right. not going to go danny had bought the tickets before Back i even before had christmas. yeah before christmas before anyone had covid and so we're well i mean not anyone sorry <laughs> i meant anyone in this household before that apologies first no, cooked oh, up. No. oh no 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 um and so i was like all right i have to i was like dan i can't go if it's positive and so i i tested to make sure and it was negative and i was like okay now i can go with you but i still kept you know my mask up the whole time and everything right but we went to the new beverly and we saw New York Ninja and Miami Connection in the theater. Wonderful double feature to be back to see after you've dealt with your COVID symptoms. Indeed. Wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> and we'd seen Miami Connection in the theater before. Many, yeah. Well, yeah. we saw it with Rift Tracks. We did see it with Rift Tracks. I don't think we ever saw Miami Connection in the theater after it was released by like Draft House, after it became like a known bad movie. Right. Yeah. We have it on Blu-ray, and we have a uh, a poster as well. Right. Yeah. But New York Ninja, do you recommend it? This is our mini cinema cataclysm. <laughs> New York Ninja, for anyone who hasn't heard about it, is this movie that Vinegar Syndrome, who are like a releasing and film preservation company, who do like so many bad movies, exploitation movies, like movies that nobody would care about, like really low, <laughs> like regional movies and like things that are not good. Yeah, And they found all of this footage for an unfinished ninja movie from New York in 1984. And an and a, and a employee of Vinegar Syndrome finished the movie. And he had to, like, dub everything in. They had no script to go off. They couldn't find pretty much anyone involved with the movie except for one of the main actresses. And yeah, it was really fascinating. Like, the, the stories behind it and the the second director like the co-director guy who who came in and put the whole thing together was there at the showing and so he was giving a little bit of background on it and it was very interesting to hear about but there were certain things where I was like okay you're not looking at their mouths right now so like you can tell that they're just like they're not trying to read the lips they're adding in stuff and they happen to usually be like slurs against women there was a lot of violence against women in the movie and so I felt a little uncomfortable um the whole time we were watching the movie I was like by the fifth like all the violence against women in the movie like I said, this is our mini cinema cataclysm at the top. <laughs> all the violence against women in the movie is very, with a few exceptions, is very silly. It's all just like the actors pushing the girls around and stuff. Like the main villains have like a human trafficking thing, which sounds terrible, but the way it's like portrayed in this '80s bad cheesy ninja movie is they just tie them up in in like funny weird ways, like very badly. Like they're clearly actresses or loose in their ties and all this stuff. Then there's a couple ones that get. A little too uncomfortable. But boy, did the crowd love it. <laughs> ugh, ugh. It <laughs> was not okay. But by the, like, the fifth time, okay. by like the fifth or sixth time, there was another scene of like some gang people 
beating up on or pushing around or attacking a woman. Of course, the New York Ninja is going to come in, you know, nine out of ten times to stop it. But by the time I was like, there is a lot of like just making women victims in this movie. Yeah, so it was uncomfortable. It was, it was not okay. But Miami connection. And there is a big trigger in there. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I was not. I was not into that. Yeah. Yeah. Miami Connection. Totally, totally different movie. Amazing movie movie and amazing experience to see it in the theater. Yeah. After it kind of being like... No trigger warnings with Miami Connection. (laughs) I mean, there's blood. There's blood and violence. Yeah. But horrible, horrible violence. Just kidding. Miami Connection's amazing if you've never seen it. And seeing it with a crowd and a lot of people who had never seen it and we knew all the stuff that was coming up because... We, like, had seen Miami Connection when it became, like, the new big bad movie. Like, after The Room kind of had its time and Miami Connection was the next one to kind of be popular. We'd seen it multiple times and saw it in Rift Tracks. And now here we are watching an actual 35-millimeter print. Yeah, from the from time. From the time. Yeah, because it was very... Uh, scratched it, it was up. very scratched up. It wasn't a great print, but it was a lot of fun to see in yeah. that stage. There was a couple of, like... It's not a gory movie, but there's a couple of quick, like cut-ins to gorier stuff like someone gets hit in the neck and you zoom in really quick to see their neck like broken really quick like it's a saw it's still a soft r movie it's very goofy but they cut those little things out and i'm like oh this must be an actual print from the time and they cut those little gory gorier moments out yeah but like yeah i don't want to spoil miami connection for anyone who hasn't seen it but there's a couple of things in the third act like it was fun to see in a theater with people just, who hadn't yeah, seen it before. Things that happen to characters that you're like nervous, is this going to happen? <laughs> and then maybe they're about to happen and people are like, no! And it shows that people actually care about these ridiculous characters that are performed yeah. so badly. But like people really cared about them. They're endearing because they, they're friends for eternity, loyalty, honesty. <laughs> All right, what other top of the show business do we have, Dan? Well, I mentioned all that because we're still going to be in our... <laughs> Uh, cinema cataclysm which it's our 2022 resolution yes. to really get our, i feel like we probably said podcast. that in 2021 but we mean it for 2020 <laughs> we mean it this time we're gonna get our movie podcast off the ground and someone who gave us a recommendation when we've been talking about our movie podcast forever is connor now he had recommended connor daddy <laughs> as jessica nicknamed him once because he has a new child his name's Connor Daddy because that is what the Google Translate said his name That's was. That's right. Yeah. Wait, and did he have a kid? Yes. He did have a kid. Okay. And then we I called him Connor New Daddy. Right. Because he had a baby. Well. And now he's an old daddy, but just back to being daddy again. <laughs> well, how long do you have Do you to like have a it when before? I say daddy in this deep voice? Hey, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a family podcast. Well, we get to stay in the bad movie talk because Connor had recommended a bad movie to us because we talk about bad movies once in a while and we want to do this whole other podcast about it. He recommended something to us maybe a year ago, and by the time we watched it this week, I couldn't remember who had recommended it to us. So I just had to tweet from the account who recommended. Like, straight out from the podcast account, I tweeted, who recommended Scales or Mermaid's story to us? And Connor <laughs> called up and admitted it was him. And here's that voicemail. Hey, Danny and Jess, this is Connor Daddy. I still don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but I was actually just recently wondering, oh, I wonder when Danny and Jess are going to watch that uh, 
mermaid movie that I told them to watch sometime, Scales, a mermaid, a real mermaid story. I can't even remember the title. There's two different titles on the IMDb page. Like, there's a different one in the image or the movie, and then there's a different one on the IMDb page. Anyway, lo and behold, I saw that Danny tweeted out, well, I'm assuming Danny. I think that's a safe assumption to assume that it's Danny. Hopefully that wasn't douchey of me to assume that it was Danny. But I saw one of, one of y'all tweeted out from Sadie Hawkins' pod page asking who told you to watch it. And I was like, oh, you watched it. And I'm so excited that you watched this very bizarre movie with the climax of which involves so many semi-automatic rifles and a child murdering a grown man. Anyway, hope you enjoyed that movie. It's a special time. Um, anyway, that's all. Still enjoying the episode. Hope you're feeling better. Jeff, I'm sorry you had COVID. I had it a couple months ago. I think I had Delta, though. It sucks. Yeah. Hope hope you're feeling better. Hope Danny... Oh, also, Danny, hope you don't actually catch it, because I got it literally two weeks after my wife started showing symptoms. So, hopefully, you're both feeling okay. Anyway, talk to you all soon. Bye. Two weeks after. It's been exactly two weeks since you first started showing symptoms. <laughs> no, we're into like day 16 or 17 now. You're good, Dan. You're what good. What if that little bug I killed was like oh, no. COVID personified? <laughs> and now all his little COVID friends are going to come to get me. Yeah, so we did finally watch Scales. And then, like nobody else specifically, this is just between us and Connor, but everyone else gets to hear what we thought of the movie Scales, A Mermaid Story, which is also called Scales, Mermaids Are Real. And I think I'm just jaded because we watch so many bad movies, especially movies like New York Ninja and Miami Connection, that I was like, you know what, Scales, this is not that bad. This is probably one of the better movies Morgan Fairchild has been in in the past decade. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely true. <laughs> because Morgan Fairchild is an actress who, if you want her, you can absolutely get her for a price. She will show exactly. up and do her Morgan Fairchild thing for you. Yep. So when we watch this movie, it's I get why it seems bad. But yeah, like we just have like this threshold now for actual bad movies. Like we have seen movies that don't even qualify as movies. Like you might that watch will melt your mind. Yeah, you might watch scales and think, oh, this is a bad movie. This barely qualifies as a movie. No, 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 no. There's like sound design. <laughs> there's like <laughs> there's, a, there's a beginning, middle and an end. You can see what's happening on the screen. <laughs> yeah. There's a beginning, middle and an end. There's very, you know, there's a clear uh protagonist, there are clear antagonists. Right. You're not like there isn't just a scene that happens for no reason. Like you haven't yeah. you got to watch like if you, you I think the best place to start with movies that really aren't even movies is David Dakota. And I mentioned him so oh, much. Good lord, no. Oh. <laughs> well, you gotta be careful for his kind of like fetish movies which are not r-rated they're just like movies with shirtless male models like walking around and there's like just a five minute scene of them showering like speaking of morgan fairchild because he will also do movies called like an easter bunny puppy and things like that yeah the most famous one is a talking cat the talking cat but we watch a lot of david dakota movies so there's two things that he's famous for on youtube now david dakota and that's his what we call chest rubbers and they're like 
you know, they're not R-rated. They're like PG-13 sexiness of male models in these stories that barely have a story. If you cut down the story, it'd be five minutes of story. And then another 80 minutes of just guys showering with their shorts on or laying yep. in bed, oiling themselves Ooh, up. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to avoid yeah. those. And then he's most famous now for these kids' movies, like A Talking Cat. That's the most famous one. And there's Easter Bunny Puppy and all these other ones, which actually have the exact same structure as his chest rubbers like horrifying but instead of having a five minute extended eight minute sequence <laughs> of animals. a guy laying in bed rubbing himself <laughs> you have an eight minute extended sequence of some of some cats or dogs playing in a pen and then you go back to the story you it's know exactly way too much about format. his discography his filmography you're too trapped Sorry, in the fact that we do a music podcast yes <laughs> I'm trying to uh, tie us back into what we were originally talking about. And I'm like going off on Morgan Fairchild over here. And I'm like, most of our listeners are younger. I don't even know if they know who Morgan Fairchild is. Morgan Fairchild was an actress in like the 70s and 80s. And I don't know, more of just like a a personality kind of, I think, you know, than like, you know, she did probably like daytime sort of soaps. Well, I've got her filmography up right here. She was on Friends. Oh, that's right. We saw the seduction. She was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, apparently. She's just, like, one of those, like, character. She's a fe- She's a female character actress. Yeah. But anyway, David Dakota movies, not counting those, the kids' movies and the chest rubbers, like, actually finding his real, like, movie movies, like, his direct-to-video movies, they sometimes barely qualify as movies. And he finds new and interesting ways to make his movies not a full movie. <laughs> like, it's one thing when it's like, well, you know, one bad director doesn't know how to point the camera, or one bad director doesn't know how to write a script... But David Dakota and all his... I really he, he thought we were gonna, going back into uh, Reliant K ter- territory, and then you just launched <laughs> right back into the. So anyway, Scales, just to wrap this up for, for Connor, Scales, we watched and we're like, this is okay. This is like a pilot to a television show about a girl who finds out she's a mermaid. It's real gay, though. It's real gay. Like, yeah. the, the main character, the main little her, girl. Her best I mean, friend is in love kids. with her, yeah. straight up. They're kids. They're, like, pre, they're preteen kids. But, like, the way it's written and acted, they accidentally make it look like they're, like, they got crushes on each other when they're really just supposed to be, like, good friends. But it's a male director and male writer, so he's probably like, this is okay, how no, girls no, no. show affection, the, right? The main character is clearly into the little, the little boy the friend character but the best friend wow like she's super into her bff and i feel bad because like i just don't think it's ever gonna happen it could i don't know but well she's a mermaid she finds out she's secretly a mermaid and she's gotta get back to the sea and live there for two years and then she gets to come back and be a human later and we're like well obviously they're not gonna spend time underwater because they don't have the budget for that and they really just did like film some stuff underwater with some swimming they don't create like a whole aquaman level of uh, it's very it's very lana del rey (laughs) (laughs) and then there are these like hunters people that want to hunt mermaids because like something in their dna has the key to immortality for humans and yeah the end of the movie is like the main bad hunter realizes the error of his ways trying to like hunt a little girl because apparently, like, if you get, like, a mermaid... It's pretty dark background for this otherwise pretty bright children's movie. If you get, like, a mermaid right when she's about to turn from human to mermaid, that's, like, the most immortality DNA you can get out of them. So they really want to kill this kid. But she escapes. And then she comes back at the end because the main bad guy realizes the errors of his way. But the second biggest bad guy 
is like, no, forget this. And he pulls his gun out. And the mermaid girl, who can control water like a waterbender, she makes him, like, explode into water. Yep. It's amazing. And everyone's reaction is, wow, and you wow, can you do that? Can, he, she, do just, that? she just liquidated awesome. a man. Awesome. Yeah, she did. She secret world of Alex Mack, that guy. So, all things considered, it was a pretty tolerable Liquidated, movie. liquefied. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, it yeah. was fun though. We had a good time. And what I realized was I had seen a movie from this director before. Kevin Peterson had directed Wiener Dog Nationals, nice. Which was a I watched it just because it was on Prime and it was a movie about wiener dogs and we have a half wiener dog ourselves. Another Morgan Fairchild picture. <laughs> yeah, Morgan Fairchild's in that one as well. <laughs> Morgan Fairchild, Eric Roberts, and like Eric Estrada. You can get those three for a price. They will show up and do whatever your movie is. Exactly. And I'll say one more thing. In comparison of Kevin Peterson to David Dakota, David Dakota's kids' movies may barely qualify as movies, but you get a lot of animal footage. <laughs> Kevin Peterson's Wiener Dogs National, like you're like, where is the Wiener Dog? Like they barely show it. Like they show it they once in a while. Did not have the budget to get those animal trainers on set. No, <laughs> so that's our next. That's our preview of eventually when we finally do our movie podcast that's right because bad movies that's our jam but you know what reliant k's jam is what's that we're about to find out that's right and we have a voicemail from daniel (laughs) that was a perfect that was a perfect transition but let's talk about one more jam and that jam is the best thing which we talked about last week and then we'll talk about that's my jam by reliant k featuring all city so here's daniel calling about uh the best thing from last week and one thing is that Daniel's first attempt at calling, like, failed. So he called back. And so he doesn't really introduce himself here. He's just, he'll just launch right into his point. Gotcha. So anyway, um, some thoughts on best thing. I've probably said this before, but I really think that the best thing should have been the lead single. Um, there's a couple reasons why. I think, uh, A, structure-wise, it just fits with, uh, you know, what a radio single should be. I mean, it's just compact, um, not a lot of fluff. It's the right length. It's about three and a half minutes or so. And uh, the hook, you know, the chorus, I, I think just lends itself so much better. I mean, it's more simple, I think, than like the, the kind of wordiness of must have done something right. Um, not only that, but the melody of it, um, the way it goes, this is the best thing. <clears throat> Excuse my voice, but um, the particular cadence of that and the way that he hits the that high note like almost right on you know the downbeat of the chorus um it's actually slightly before but what's happening there i think is very similar to the way the choruses in sugar were going down i i think i think it started a new trend in um the kind of pop punk world um and after sugar were going down you see a lot of bands like the all-time lows and Mayday Parades, uh, all trying to kind of have that kind of hit. Um, they're trying to copy that formula. And uh, I, I just think that uh, Reliant K pretty much did that with this song, and it would have uh, fit in really well with that. I also think that not only should it have been the lead single, but it should have been the second album track right after pleading the fifth. I just think coming out of that, like, uh, and then a hard cut off, and then immediately right into, you know, I I think that works so much better than having this kind of intro song 
that like leads up to this like cutoff and then like kind of doing another like soft intro that uh come right out and say it has the logic of that has never quite sat right with me um controversial statement what do you think it would have been like if the best thing i mean yeah the pleading the i kind of do like that transition track. thinking about that yeah okay that's interesting i did i uh yeah we should check out i wish we had figured i wish we knew about this last week we would have taken a listen to compare but no we're talking about that's my jam this week but we're still talking about <laughs> last week's song with daniel for uh, another minute and you know it might not have been really his decision uh uh, as with, you know, the lead singles, those might have all been calls that the label made. I'm not really sure. Um, obviously, them being on Capitol, uh, you know, might have changed a lot of things. And they might not have the freedom that they did with on Goatee. Yeah, I, I can imagine that that's true. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that, like, with MXPX, one of their major label records, uh, before everything and after, they did not go with the singles that, the single, they only did one single off that album. It was Everything Sucks When You're Gone. But uh, Mike Carrera wanted Well Adjusted to be the lead single off of that album. And then there's a couple, like, you know, um, I can't remember if, if Mike Carrera has said this on his podcast or in interviews, but then there's, like, a couple ballads on Before Everything and After that could have been, like, you know, possible radio crossover hits for them that didn't get pushed properly. So I think it's entire. it's completely true that, like, in a case of a label... And was it even Capital? No, that was A&M for MXPX. But yeah, it's entirely possible that with a major label, they're like making the decisions about what singles are going to get yeah. pushed at what time. When you guys listened to the the Leno live performance um, and you were confused about the end lyric, that is actually what's on the album. He actually does at the very end of the song. This is the best thing that could be happening. And the best thing is that it's happening to me. Um, he doesn't actually in the lyrics or in the recorded version say, uh, to you and me at the end there, which I've always found to be kind of weird. I think that, um, it really changes the meaning. I, f- I feel like, you know, in songwriting, you want the, the very last thing you say to be really important. So it feels interesting that he's choosing to emphasize the best thing is that it's happening to him and not necessarily to the person he's talking about even though he said it earlier in the, in the rest of the song. You know, I don't want to read too much into, you know, what happened in his relationships and stuff like that. It's really not my business, but um, I think it does give a little window into uh, maybe, you know, the kind of, kind of how he viewed relationships at the time. Um, it also could have just been a songwriting decision. Maybe he thought it sounded better to end with just those two syllables instead of, a couple more, but I don't know. Personally, I don't think it's much stronger, and to me, it's always just been a little bit more jarring, because I'm like, wait, this whole time you've been saying to you and me, and now you're just saying to me, like, I don't know. Something's just off about that to me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, always found that interesting. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, have a good one. Yeah, interesting. When we were... Yeah, yeah so we were watching huh. the Leno performance, and at the end he says... He just mentions it's ha- it's great because it's it's the best thing because it's happening to me, and at the time I didn't I don't go like back and it. play yeah yeah because you looked up lyrics and I, we were like okay 
I guess that's... I, I guess took the internet's were, word for it, which yeah. I shouldn't have. <laughs> so I thought maybe he just, like, he made a more concise lyric for the Leno performance. But no, apparently. Yeah. Huh. And I'm still... Now I'm taking Daniel's word for it, because I'm still not going to go back and listen to the <laughs> last two seconds of the best thing. But yeah, it, it doesn't seem like you. it would be for, like, uh, fitting into the, the song, fitting into the meter yeah. or anything. Best thing is that's happening to you and me. Like, you could even say the and me part... After you say the you, like, and after we the all last know you're thinking sustain. the best thing is that it's happening to me, <laughs> right. but you're not supposed to say that part out loud, Tyson. <laughs> interesting, yeah, interesting theories there, and uh, glad to get that update. So, um, well, I don't know if anyone out there, if the best thing is their jam, but this week I don't remember now what your you had a perfect segue until I had to say we have to listen to Daniel's phone call, but yeah, this week we're talking about that's my jam. And, uh, yeah, Jessica loves this song. I'll tell you what, she <laughs> loves this song so much, don't you, Jess? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my jam featuring Adam Young of Owl City. Right. This is the second. Uh, no, this is Owl City featuring Matt Teeson. I don't even think it's featuring Reliant K. Are, are, is there any instrumentation that is not Owl City? Like... I think keyboards so. and stuff no there's there's bass and there's guitar in this so there's an acoustic guitar i think in are this. you sure Je- yeah let's listen to the song again because i was joking around but no jessica doesn't like this song so it kind of makes me think like i don't <laughs> so it kind of makes me think you're like zoning the the realities of the song out here let's <laughs> listen to it for a second to remind ourselves that's listen I mean, okay, right the okay. There's a slide guitar. And then I hear it or whatever. Well, it's not it's a, a slide. Sli- it's not a slide guitar. It's there's a slide a, on a, a guitar. A fret, Apologies. A fret slide. There's a fret slide Apologies. at the beginning on what sounds like an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And then it feels sounds like it's processed in, and I think that's a fuzzy sort of bass in there. And it's probably processed with some electronic bleeps and bloops. That they're probably, I mean, we can listen again. All right, in a I stand corrected. I apologize. But everything is probably Reliant leveled K. in such a way that once you get into the meat of the song, everything's kind of probably just has that general electronic feel, which I think comes up a lot because this is a collapsible lung bonus track. This was from the collapsible lung era, and it's not like properly on collapsible lung. This song's not on Spotify. I don't know if it's on Apple Music. But this is like this is a bonus track. It has this song has an official lyric video on the Reliant K YouTube, so it's not like that deep a cut, but it is a slightly deeper cut. And you know when people, and by people I mean us and other Reliant K fans, think of the poppiness of Collapsible Lung, you're prone to think like it's electronic music. But really, no, Collapsible Lung is a is a pop rock album leaning much more heavily on the pop. But something about, I think, us as a society, to put it in Joker terms, like as a society, when you hear something that's way too pop, and if it has any electronic element, you think it's like just an electronic right, song. Right. You know, a good example of that is um, the other band named Blink. The other band from Ireland called Blink that made Blink-182 have to add the 182 to their name. In all the interviews about why they added the 182 to their name, Tom DeLonge would call the Irish Blink Band a techno band. And they absolutely were not a techno band in any way, shape, or form. 
they were literally a pop rock band. They were a pop rock band. They were like Blur or something. They were like a pop rock band, gotcha. but they had a little bit more like, a, you know, electronic element. And so he probably either never listened to them and heard they were like an electronic dance pop sort of rock band and was like, oh, you mean like techno? And went around telling the world <clears throat> techno. So to this day, everyone in our generation that didn't hear the real Blink in Ireland thinks Blink of Ireland was a techno band. I didn't. This is all... I know you didn't, because you didn't care. <laughs> but this all just comes back to the fact that when you hear pop rock, if it has any electronic element, you tend to think like, right. oh, this is some electronic pop music. Well, my very first note on this song... Oh, I took your voice. Note. How you doing? I am good. You're just I, getting deeper and deeper. I took this note on uh, January 18th of 2021. So a year ago yesterday, nice. I wrote the note. You know those people who think this album is basically a parody. This song is the only indication I have of that. Or at least I hope. Good Lord, this song is so cringy if it isn't a joke. Yeah. I hadn't heard Weezer's Heart songs when I wrote this note. And Jessica and I, and I think we've mentioned it here and there on the podcast, but we'll we'll get to heart songs in a little bit. But yeah, Weezer has uh, an al- a song from the Ren album that's basically the same premise as this. Because this song, anyone, for anyone who's maybe never heard of it, who never listened to it, if us talking about it is your first experience with That's My Jam, it is just like a bunch of puns about how much they love pop music. And what I have come to terms with, and I'm so glad we're doing this song later in the existence of our podcast, because I've had so many revelations about Collapsible Lung as a whole that we talk about every time we do a regular Collapsible Lung song. And without that context, I think I would have missed something about this song. And that is that pretty much what you were just saying, (laughs) tying into the whole lungy, like uh, Collapsible Lung is vapid on purpose the fan theory that is absolutely like very specifically out there in blogs, people who believe or have believed that Collapsible Lung is a story album about a character who is chasing vapid relationships and then comes back to God in the end in the form of the title track. We don't espouse that actual belief, but that is a belief that we've come to terms with when we talk about Collapsible Lung songs. I have so many questions in my mind, if someone like believes the Lungy point of view theory, what do they think of this song? You know what I mean? Of course it is a bonus track. It's cut from the album, so there is that disconnect. So it probably right. doesn't affect that in any yeah. way. But what I... What I've... The reason why I'm so glad we talked about so many other Collapsible Lung songs first is because I don't think that any song on Collapsible Lung is actually that vapid. I think that this one, <laughs> this song's like fun in what it presents, but this is the only collapsible lung song that actually like has no like greater message. Because even the most worldly quote unquote and the most secular quote unquote songs and themes on collapsible lung are still saying something. And we've talked about this once in a while. It's come up any Christian blog where they're like, I don't like music unless it says something. And what that Christian blogger is actually saying, they're not saying it in these words, but what they literally mean, whether they admit it or not, is I don't want to hear music that's not about what I don't believe. And anything that's singing about what I don't believe, 
I consider to be no message or completely vapid or completely pointless. I think that point of view, whether it's Christian or not, I think that point of view, if you like hear a song and you don't agree with it or it doesn't mean anything to you and to hear that and to judge it as this is meaningless. Even the most bubblegummy, seemingly vapid, uh, radio-friendly pop song is saying something. Every song, every piece of art says something. Even Sugar, if it's like, do, do, I don't do, have anything do, to say. Do, do, oh, honey, honey, do, 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 <laughs> That do, song has do, something to you're say. You're my candy girl, <laughs> and you've got me wanting you. There's, yeah, they're saying that they're wanting you. Right. You know what? Uh, when we were, when we had Ethan Luck on the show, and I talked so much about Hi-Fi Revival, the Supertones album, you know, musically, I love that album because it does stuff with ska that a lot of other ska bands never did. And it's like, wow, the Supertones are the one to do this musically with ska music. But there is a song on that album called Radio Plays. And it's the theme, the chorus is radio plays a whole lot and nothing. I wish they would play a song about something. And that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, no, the radio actually plays a lot of things with very important messages and sometimes with very like silly, goofy messages. But every song on the radio is saying something, whether or not you personally think it's a message worth of value or not, doesn't matter. Like so much pop music really is saying important things about race and and sexual politics and love. Like these are messages that mean something. So all of the songs, even if you think of them as worldly and secular that are on Collapsible Lung, they are all saying something. Even if what they're saying sounds silly to you, there's actually some message, some theme, some characters being presented in every song on Collapsible Lung. But this song is the one that is like the closest to being completely vapid and completely uh, like fluff. Right. <laughs> and I still like this song in its way. I'm just saying that's how it feels to me. So when people listen to Collapsible Lung and they think it's a character going through all of these like loveless relationships, which is not what I believe at all about that album. But when they think it's that, I'm like, well, these songs aren't vapid. But this song over here that got cut out is vapid. Right. <laughs> it's still fun in its way. But yeah, this is the I was going to say. This is the second song that is a Reliant K song to feature Adam Young. The first was Terminals. And in both case, album to album, from, five, from Forget Not Slow Down to this one, it was a bonus track that's, for whatever reason, cut out of the regular track listing and only featured as like bonus tracks with certain streaming Yoko services. Yoko isn't a member of the Beatles, Danny. <laughs> That's funny. So um, I like Terminals a lot better than this. Like Terminals actually has more of a proper Reliant K vibe. I think both songs definitely lean heavier towards the Owl City side of it, right? Which sometimes it's apples and oranges trying to say what sounds more like an uh, an Owl City song and what sounds more like a Reliant K song. Because so many Owl City songs l- sound like Reliant K songs, or at least they sound like Reliant K melodies. This one sounds more like it belongs to Owl City. Terminal sounds more like a Reliant K song that is influenced heavily, that the, you can hear Adam Young's hand in that song. 
Well, take this as you will. This is from Wikipedia. Okay. And I can find no proof of this. Okay. Uh, because I did search it out. And uh, if anyone out there has proof of this, uh, please let us know. So from Wikipedia, on February 4th, 2013, the band released a single via YouTube in the form of a lyric video, That's My Jam. According to the group, the song was used in the background of a Pizza Hut commercial. Later, the track was redone featuring Owl City as an iTunes bonus track for Collapsible Lung. That sounds pretty made up. I don't know if we ever mentioned this on the podcast, but do you remember there was something you found where it was like, Reliant K had done all of these Disney Junior theme songs. Yes, yeah, and it's on the uh, the. No, it was a lie. Jake and the Neverland Pirates. No, not Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Whatever the pirate show was before that. Yeah, I, I don't know. You found something, something on Neverland, some random Disney Junior television show yeah. claiming that they had written. They did the stage that they music. they had rewritten yeah. the the the, sound, the theme song to some Disney Junior show for the stage version. And we did all this research. We got David Park involved because he's our Disneyland friend. I we asked John out, Schneck. Yeah, he. We asked John Schneck. And what we figured out was that same lie about Reliant K being involved in the <laughs> Disney Junior live show at Disneyland was on multiple pages for different Disney Junior shows, but they were all only the shows that weren't as popular. Like, I don't know what Disneyland Junior shows are really popular, like, you know, Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse or um, the, the Vampire Girl or any of that stuff. That might be Nickelodeon. I have no idea. But what had clearly happened was the well more well-known shows if this wikipedia vandal had added those to there someone a lot of people who care about that wikipedia page deleted that information but these lesser known shows got they stayed there so if a wikipedia page kind of stays under the radar and you throw a little false fact on there it'll just kind of stay there forever until someone removes it i went through all those disney junior pages and removed this completely lie relying casing there was also like going back to mxpx there was a thing on MXPX's discography page on Wikipedia claiming that they were on an Ozfest sound on an Ozfest compilation, and it was an also a complete lie. It was just like they had like snuck it in. Someone had mm-hmm. snuck it in there as a joke, right? And I was the one to finally go in and delete it because I saw people talking about it on Twitter. Or as we mentioned when we talked about that, uh, when I originally found it. It could be that someone heard a song and they were like, this is totally Reliant K and exactly. decided it was Reliant K. Like the Scrubs thing. Did you say Scrubs? I didn't, but that was another the other Scrubs where things where, where yeah. we think that someone heard what Christmas song was that now? I don't need to remember week to week, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Deck the Halls. That the, the someone that on the IMDb for the first Christmas episode of Scrubs, it claims that Reliant K did the Deck the Halls thing. And we haven't. And no, we did. We checked. Well, no, we checked the broadcast episode that is saved to Daily Motion. What we need to do is double check the Hulu one to see if in modern streaming it was replaced with Lion K with Reliant K, but it probably wasn't. Right. Probably someone heard a rock punky version of Deck the Halls and was like, "Oh, that's Reliant K," and went to IMDb and said it was that. Uh, and like, there was also a, the Mighty Mighty Boss tones after in 1997. After Impression That I Get, you know, the Knock on Wood song, for anyone who doesn't know it by its real name, after that song got big on the radio, Pizza Hut recorded a sound-alike mm. of that song for Pizza Hut, which... what Maybe maybe Pizza Hut recorded a sound-alike for That's My Jam? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's what I'm putting together. So back this in is night- already such an under-the-radar song that, like, yeah. most people don't necessarily even know of existing. Yeah, they wouldn't. 
So what happened with, with the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones in 97, 98 was Pizza Hut records like a complete rip-off knockoff of the impression that I get for a Pizza Hut commercial. And I remember the commercial. It was just shots of pizza products. It wasn't like a story or actors involved. It's just pizzas flying in and out and telling you how much the pizzas cost. Well, something that sounds exactly like the Knock on Wood song is playing underneath. So then Mighty Mighty Boss Tones at the time in the early-ish internet, 97, 98, put on their website, that's not us. Because <laughs> everyone was going around the internet saying the Mighty Mighty Boss right. Tones in a Pizza Hut commercial. Right. And they're like, are you guys listening to the song? Because it's clearly, <laughs> instead of, dun na 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 it was like, dun na 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 you know, it was like, right. like sideways. So well, speaking of nostalgia, I, I, are you ready to get into the lyrics? Absolutely. But my working theory Unless John Schneck or someone or Adam Young, if we ever get to talk to Adam Young, if anyone can confirm if the stems were sold to Pizza Hut, I guess that's possible, the stems of this song. But I would assume that someone heard this, thought it was that song, and claimed on Wikipedia that it was. I am ready to get into these song lyrics. So this song, it is just lyrically a bunch of like poetic puns of all of these different like 90s and a few 80s and maybe some 70s artists that Reliant K and Adam Young love. And it's exactly it's like... About, it's nine, It's 90s. It's all mostly, 90s. I yeah. think there might be one or two 80s things mixed in there. Like things from the 80s you would have listened to in the 90s. Maybe I'm wrong. Jessica put together a Spotify playlist of every song mentioned in this song. And I remember these kind of word game things actually from as, as early as the early internet. Like if you went to a fan site... I remember in... I remember in... Um, freshman year we like a lot of the kids at school when they got to use the internet they used it at school like you would go sign up for internet time and like those blocks would get filled up pretty soon because not everyone at school had the internet so it's like whatever you needed to get from the internet that day you only got like in your 20 minute block at school if you signed up early and i was in the library waiting for my turn with the internet and somebody was like on a dave matthews fan page in 1997 Right? Around the same time as that Pizza Hut commercial. I probably went to the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones <laughs> website right after that. But someone was on a Dave Matthews fan site and someone had written on this fan site like a poem, like a story using every song title from all of these Dave Matthews songs. So I uh, was, so it just made me think of that sort of thing of like being cutesy and like taking and i think i'm sure stuff like that happens with reliant k on twitter nowadays i feel like i see that all the time you take the song titles of reliant k songs and you put into a punny little story little tweet let's hear it let's get into the lyrics i feel like there's not much to say about the music yeah yeah like the music is reliant k combined with adam young with much more adam young influence and oh i do have one more thing to say about the music before we get into the lyrics sorry saying what kind of like Owl City song this is there's definitely like the more uh mature Owl City songs and there's the more like this would be good for some Disney closing credits theme uh, <laughs> Owl City songs uh-huh. and I don't and yeah I mean because of Wreck-It Ralph but like <laughs> this song has the feeling like you know like like the the big um like fireflies and stuff those songs you couldn't imagine like closing out the end credits of a cartoon but this one like it sounds like the closing credits to a cartoon so i feel like being a very nascent owl city fan 
I've only listened to them a little bit throughout the years that we've been doing this podcast, and we did that one Patreon episode. I definitely have the feeling that there's his more mature songs, and there's his much more goofy songs that could be used as cartoon closing credits, and this is the latter of those two types of songs. So let's get into these lyrics. I'm excited. Turn up the record, because the song's just begun. I'm smashing pumpkins like it's November 1. Oh, shoot. We should have done this episode on November 1st. (laughs) (laughs) I think we did talk about it at the time. So Smashing Pumpkins, one of my favorite bands. Good stuff. Right. We're there. Wish Britney'd hit me one more time on the phone, which I'm on Genius. Uh So that has an annotation. Okay. Britney Spears performed the song Baby One More Time in the late 1990s. The lyrics reference are hit me baby one more time okay but what's the phone part i mean i guess that might just be to they're cl- like hit me up on the phone right which britney had hit me up on the phone is what they're saying that's probably just getting to the next part yes but like there's no is hit me baby one more time about a phone call i always thought it was like about like and now we got to talk about hit me baby one more time let's for- forget it <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna, we can't do this all night and look up every one of these songs although we are going to do a patreon episode about the playlist jessica put together that reference of every song referenced in this song so sign up at patreon.com slash sadie hawkins pod if you want to hear about that believe it or not even being a girl of a certain age mm. and being a fan of britney spears back in the day uh i have never really thought about what this song meant <laughs> I remember a lot of debate at the time and confusion, like on MTV and the radio and stuff and saying like, what does the hit me part mean? And I think it just meant like, hit me up, like get with me one more time or something. The line hit me baby one more time caused a little bit of controversy, controversy, particularly in the United States due to its to due to sadomasochistic connotations so yeah i'm sure a lot of people interpret it as like hey actually like hit me because i like when you hit like literally physically hit me but uh britney said in a 1999 rolling stone interview it doesn't mean physically hit me it means just give me a sign basically it i think it's kind of funny that people would actually think that's what i meant so yeah i always thought it meant like hit me up so i guess that does make sense he's Teeson just He's adds like, hey, the phone. hit me up on the phone. Yeah, Teeson's just adding the phone n- narrative to the song, which isn't that ridiculous for him to do because this is still his own song. He's just trying to reference these songs in a way, so he needed something to get through the tree hole to get him to the next rhyme. So tired of counting crows with Mrs. Jones. Mr. Jones? Mr. Jones, sorry. I... There's a song called Me and Mrs. Jones that oh, Michael okay, Bublé right. covers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, there's a, and there's a phrase called Keeping Up with the Joneses that the Kardashians uh, appropriated, that term for their the title of their show. Yeah, so Mr. Jones is a song by Counting Crows. Again, it's annotated. I don't feel the need to <laughs> click into it. Uh, my sister Hazel knows that it's all for you. Mm-hmm. Sister Hazel is a band, and there's a song. They have a song called... All for you? Yeah, all for you. I remember when Jessica was putting this playlist, because we thought we were going to do this song last year. 
Uh, oh, and I'm glad we waited because now we have the good synergy tie-in for Jimmy Fallon's new show, That's My Jam. That's right. <laughs> Danny was very much, we saw, we were at my parents over the holidays and we saw an ad for that coming up and Danny was like, oh, it's our time. It's time to do <laughs> That's My Jam. And we didn't watch the show and we're not going to talk about it. This is the only place we're talking about the Jimmy Fallon show, That's My Jam. But yeah, Jessica put together her playlist like a year ago and there are, there was, there's a couple weedy sections where it's like, okay, is this what they're referencing? Or is this not like some obviously most of them are incredibly clear, like Counting Crows with Mr. Jones and stuff. But we'll get into the more iffy ones. And I remember being bummed out that the All for You was not in reference to the 2000s Janet Jackson song All oh. for You, because that that is my jam. <laughs> uh, am I a blur or do you sing my song number two? The band Blur has their song, Song 2. Except here, obviously, Tizen is saying, do you sing my song too? Which is some, you know, I guess I wouldn't say that the wordplay in this song is terribly Tizen-esque. Like, I feel like it's clever, but not... There's so much clever wordplay in Reliant K's discography overall that I feel like no one but Tizen would specifically put together in the ways that he does. But for That's My Jam, I feel like almost anybody, if given the same parts, could have written an approximation of this song. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, like, a lot of the wordplay and a lot of the puns in That's My Jam are, like, purely Tyson. I don't think, I don't, that, that's not how I feel. I feel like these are just a little too on the nose, a little too obvious. But that is fun to say to mention the word blur and then to say, do you sing my song too? Meaning do you sing my song as well? But then song two is the name of the song that blur is most famous for. And, and here they have it as the number two. As the number two. Yeah. And I think that's the way it is in the lyric, in the official lyric video as well. I'm like, did, did, was this, has this only recently been updated with annotations? Because uh, oh, last year, year there were no annotations from my recollection oh. because you and I sat here and like I poured over the song and was like, Danny, I don't know this reference. Do you know this reference? This says two years ago. So was it? Oh, man. Maybe it was. Two... Oh, Danny, maybe it was like two years ago that we did that. I don't remember now. It was on a road trip. It was Christmas 2020. So it was only a year ago. You know what? We have had those weird situations where we're sitting here on both of our phones looking at a genius page and you see an annotation and I'm looking at the exact same page and the annotation's not there for me. Right. So I think that there's weird like ways in which geniuses servers sometimes do or don't catch up or yeah. log in incorrectly. Man, I did I sat there doing my math, showing my work <laughs> when like the calculator already had it done for me. <laughs> Ooh, 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 summertime. Ooh, 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 back in 99. Ooh, 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 our first dance. Ooh, 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 that's my jam. So in 99, Tyson was Absolutely not. No, he was absolutely not in a in in high school or anything. Maybe... I mean, you could be in high school at 18. He's just about to break as in Reliant K in 99. No, they've broken by now. 98, no. No, 2000. Sorry. I'm confused on a timeline of our own band that we talk about, on the band that we talk about. I'm like, he was born in 80. So he would, so in so 99, he, he would have already been 19. Maybe, um, maybe Sebastian Bach. There we go. Adam <laughs> Young. That's, that's who I meant. How old is he? Like, maybe, maybe this is more like him because. When was Adam Young born? 
I remember listening to like some of these songs at like you're my very my first Siri. middle school. <laughs> you talked too soon, so oh. you were confusing my Siri. <laughs> when was Adam Young born? 82. He's the same age as me. So he okay. was he was 17. There you go. So he could have been 17 yeah. our first dance. Now, you know. I was going to say some of these songs I remember playing at like my very early, like sixth grade, first year middle school dances in like 99. Right. So. so the 99 reference is probably Adam Young. Now, hypothetically, you could have a first dance with a new girlfriend when you're 19. But this really, to say our first dance, really brings to mind the idea of a school thing in the 90s. No, it's just like the other, uh, that other song in here where Tyson's dating the, the younger girl. She's still in high school. He's older now. Which one's that one that's off collapsible lung that we talked about? No, maybe it wasn't off collapsible lung. What song am I talking about? I don't know. Say it one we more time. We did this. We did. <laughs> Say all that one more time. Lost Boy. Okay, right, right. Lost Boy. I got distracted from your description of that song because I just remembered that there's a podcast that we're friends with on social media and I've listened to many of their episodes. They're called um, uh, The Dangers of Christian Rock or something like that. The Or something like that is in the title of their show. And they just did their Reliant K episode. And I was like, oh, I've got to listen to the Reliant K episode because I listen to any random podcast that talks about Reliant K. They plugged us at the end of their podcast, which was like super nice. And I tweeted at them and said, thanks for that. But there was one, and I didn't tweet this oh, nice. at them. nice. Thank you. Yeah. I did not tweet this at them, but there was one point where they're talking about, I, you know, and they're just doing an hour-long podcast just talking about their personal feelings of Reliant K overall and their favorite songs and stuff and, and going a little bit through each album. But at one point they mentioned In Love With The 80s, and one of them is like, this is ridiculous. He was way too young to remember the 80s. I'm like, he was born in 81. I was born in 82. I remember most of the 80s. If he was 10, 9, 9 or 10 by the time he left the 80s, like, do you have memories from when you're 8, 9, and 10 years old? Yes. So he does remember the 80s. Jane's addicted and Alice is in chains. Jane's addiction and Alice in chains. You two like to move me in mysterious ways. It would have been so funny if instead of referencing uh, Jane's addiction, he mentioned porno for pyros because then there would be a Reliant K song <laughs> with the word porno in it. Because the same singer of Jane's addiction uh, started the band Porno for Pyros when Jane's addiction was kind of broken up for a while. And gotcha. they are essentially the same band. They sound exactly the same. Do you know their music? Like, I think you would actually like some Jane's Addiction and Porno for Pyros because they're this very, like, mixture of, like, 90s funk rock with sort of some, like, 70s and 60s, oh, okay. like, if Flower Child combinations, but in a very alternative, grungy way. Gotcha. I think you would like them, especially since you like the Smashing Pumpkins. We're chasing waterfalls and wonder walls. So TLC's waterfalls yeah, and Oasis's wonder wall. Right. That one feels the most ham-fisted. We're, <laughs> we're chasing waterfalls. Right. Okay. Cool. We're chasing yeah. waterfalls. Remember that? I and wonder walls. And you know those walls. Yeah. Wa- yeah wonder you know the way walls. you chase walls? Yeah. <laughs> you chase, you're chasing those walls? It's just I mean, they that rhyme. could be very, uh, that could be very philosophical. It's a, you know, chasing oh, walls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my jewel, you were meant for me, so save my soul. I remember this one 
like took me a minute because I was not at all familiar with Jewel. Okay. So Jewel has two songs. One is, well, she has many songs, but one of the songs is You Were Meant For Me and Who Will Save Your Soul right. is another Jewel song. And I started watching MTV in like 1995. So my parents had blocked MTV from our household. We had cable, but MTV was blocked all throughout the 80s and the early 90s. And then... Uh, at one point, and this is at a time where you, if you called up the cable company, you couldn't, there was no on-screen guide. There's no on-screen buttons. You just push channel up and down like old-fashioned TV, and that's the way the cable worked. So if you wanted to block a channel, you had to call up and say, I would like this channel blocked, right? Now you think, okay, you call them up and they block that channel. No, it's even more analog than that. They had to send someone out with special tools to open the cable box and block that channel. So our cable box finally broke after many years, and they came out, they switched out the cable box, they reblocked MTV, and then that box broke immediately after. So they came back out, they swapped it out a second time, now our third cable box in the history of our family, and they forgot to block MTV. And they, but it's such a hassle to call them up and say we need to send someone to send come out again and block MTV physically in the box that my parents just didn't bother. By this time, I'm 13 years old, and now I'm getting to watch MTV for the first time. And those Jewel videos for those two songs were on MTV all the time. And my parents just gave up at that point. They're just like, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. And this is right after Kurt Cobain died. And there was consider- they blocked it pretty much just for like the sex stuff at the time. Like these, you know, in the 80s, you got Madonna and things like that. Of course, there's still like sexual imagery on MTV in the 90s. But because of grunge, which was so like, uh, it was it was a little it was grunge rock was so much less about like provocative sex and it was a lot more about sexual politics if there was even sex in it so by that point my parents were like whatever whatever (laughs) i just had to make sure they didn't see you know the nine inch nails video playing on the tv (laughs) and they didn't bother blocking it again i got into green day and they were like i guess green day's fine or whatever so they were fine with they 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 gave up but those jewel videos were on mtv all the time and i remember them really well Add Seven Mary Three plus 98 Degrees. Seven Mary Three is a band. Mm-hmm. I remember having to really look into that one. And then, of course, 98 Degrees. But that's the outlier. That's the weird outlier. That's a 2000s, or that's a late 90s band. They are like, late 90s, That yeah. is, I mean, Britney is late 90s as yeah. well. But, like, so Britney and 98 Degrees are definitely the outliers, where a lot of the songs referenced here are very much mid and early 90s. You got these two, like, sort of pop, late 90s pop things. So that's funny. And, of course, gotta mention it, Eve 6. Because that was the big, that was the big to-do of the last year in the Relying K fandom is the day that Eve 6, and you know the Eve 6 guy. I don't has... think that was the big to-do of the last year. <laughs> I think the big to-do was Reliant K going back on tour. I mean, long before that. During the dark ages of Reliant K information, when the Eve Six guy, and the Eve Six guy, if you don't follow him, he's got this whole persona of being like, well, he's basically MXPX memes, but he's the Eve Six guy. <laughs> I just want to put it out there. The Eve Six guy basically stole my persona. And, you know, I don't try that hard with MXPX memes nowadays, but he just out, he's just out there giving, like, hot takes on punk music and stuff and doing all these kind of things. And maybe post in, like, weird, dank shit posts about, like, pop and punk music and stuff like that. One day, the Eve 6 guy pops up 
And we talked about this at the time when it was news. He pops up and he's like, is Reliant K on here? And the answer was, no, they weren't. Because, yes, their account was still there, but Hoops was not active on the thing. And he's like, I got to talk to them. And then there's all of these think pieces and articles about what does Eve 6 want with Reliant K? Are they going to go on tour? Are they going to work on something together? And if you just clicked on the tweet and looked at the replies, you'd see John Schneck in there saying, hey, what's up? What do you need to know? And the Eve 6 guy says, what's the song by you guys that reference us? And then he's like, oh, that's my jam. The end. That was all there was to it. (laughs) And it's, and this week, I legitimately kept tweeting at Eve 6. Right up until this morning, I was tweeting at Eve 6 saying, hey, you want to come on the podcast? Talk about talk about that song. Talk about other things. Talk about the Chainsmokers, because apparently it was the Chainsmokers that introduced the Eve 6 guy to the fact that this Reliant K song existed. He didn't reply. We had Clint in there, like, <laughs> backing us up, saying, hey, I really agree. You should go on their podcast. I said he could You have to tell people wants. you're kidding. No. Some people might think you're not kidding. But I'm not kidding. Stop. You are kidding. No, I'm not He's kidding. kidding. No, I'm not kidding. I was tweeting at Eve 6. There's, okay. I know, but you were doing it sarcastically. There's When it comes to you, the thing you got to know about me is that there's <laughs> levels of irony and levels of detachment that if you don't understand them, that's not my problem. And so I'll dissect this Danny detachment and ironicness very specifically. I tweeted at the Eve 6 guy as knowing it will look funny and as a joke to anyone who sees it. But if the Eve 6 guy is cool and decides to reply, yes, I will set up this Zoom call. I did not expect him to reply. But for the chance, because he's a dank old me mastered himself that eve six man (laughs) that i was just hoping maybe he'll actually reply and he didn't and he just tweeted about relying k twice in the last week so the timing was perfect i replied to both those tweets he still didn't hit us back his loss his loss he could have got that old shp bump for that old uh for that heart in a blunder song he's cut my you know what He, he cut my heart into pieces this is my last resort Oh, wait, that's Papa Roach. Never mind. So Eve 6 times 311, that's you and me. 311, another big uh, band. So let's do this math real quick. 7, 3. So how do we do this math? Add 7 Mary 3 plus 98 degrees. So I guess you got to take the Mary out. So then the question is, does he mean 7 and 3 or 73? I'm going to assume because he's it's it's 7 and 3. So add 7 plus 3 is 10, plus 98, that's 108. Um, Eve add, six, Eve, add 6. So 6 times 311. Okay, i got to break out the, cal- the calculator for that. 6 times 311 is 1,866. So now there's no specific... Uh, direction on what we're supposed to do with the 108 and the 1866 i'm just going to assume it's add them so 198 nope shoot not 198 was it on no yeah 108 okay hold on i'll just subtract 90 (laughs) 1974 what happened in 1974 the birth of me (laughs) (laughs) 
also uh, you and me i don't know if that is referencing there is a dave matthews band song called you and me i don't know if that's referencing that or not i didn't actually put that in my playlist i just did another search of it right now Uh um i because i don't know when that dave matthews band song is from but maybe uh it doesn't have the ampersand though so it leads me to believe it's just lyrics whereas the dave matthews band song uh does have an ampersand uh and then we're back to the chorus again what year was jeremy teeson born because in, he was in his Ocean Pacific Tea in 83. So was he 10 years old and got a bloody knee? Was he, uh, or would he have been nine years old? So Tyson would have been even younger. The Tyson we speak of would have been even younger. So that doesn't work. I tell you, there's something in here. The math equals 1974. There's some information about 1974. I will figure it out. The blessed union of collective souls is the next lyric right and blessed union of souls is a band i think i had to tell jessica that one yes i did because there know was no there was no is there a mark is there a annotation for this one there is it says reference to the band blessed union of souls yeah there definitely wasn't and let's see what year so i threw in um blessed union of souls a song by them on my playlist and then also threw on a song from the band collective soul Okay, yeah, so this annotation is from three years ago, so it definitely existed, but all it says is reference to the band Blessed Union of Souls, but they're also missing the fact that Collective Soul is also like a, Mm -hmm. is sort of like a grungy southerny rock band, I think. I didn't really listen to them that much. Actually, I think when we were putting the playlist together... This is their big song, Collective Soul. Okay, they weren't southerny. Yeah, they were... That sort of soft side of grunge. <laughs> like four non-blondes. Or I guess this might just be adult contemporary for the time. But it had enough appeal to alternative rock. Right. Which makes sense, because Blessed Union of Souls... I also hear some Pink... I also hear, like, a Pink Floyd... Now, I have... I know more about Pink Floyd in the last year because Jessica has had us listening to a lot of Pink Floyd and we went to the the, the laser show and everything. And now I, when I listen to other songs, I'm like, oh, now I hear the connection of Pink Floyd to this band and to that band because I didn't dig deep into Pink Floyd. And I hear some Pink Floyd-esque stuff in there as well. And then Blessed Union of Souls had this song. Hey, Leonardo. Oh, right. It's because of the next line that I put in the Collective Soul song, because there's a Collective Soul song. The one we just listened to is called The World I Know, which this blessed union of collective souls is the only world we know. Right. But he doesn't reference She Likes Me For Me, which is is the blessed union of souls song. Oh, wow. They take a full minute to get to the uh, to get to the chorus. In the Blessed Union of Soul song. I'm afraid to try to scrub the timeline because it's I'm gonna miss it. Do you remember this song? I feel like this would have played on Disney radio at the time for you because it's a cutesy <laughs> song. It's not sexual. He's just saying she likes me for me. And he says all yeah, of these like, like name dropping things about, like yeah. he hangs out with Leonardo and he means Leonardo DiCaprio. He's right. singing about all these like goofy songs. And it's basically about being a, the song's a goofy song about being a celebrity, but finding someone that loves you for you. And it's a joke because he's 
just singing it of celebrity culture at the time. This heart-shaped candle box burns for you alone. So heart-shaped box is a song by Nirvana. And then uh, they didn't, the, the annotator here didn't mention that candle, candle box. box is also a band. And yeah. their, their big song was Understanding. Right. We definitely took a lot of time trying, because I remember Candlebox, one of my friends in middle school was a fan of Candlebox, but then when we went through the top five Candlebox songs on Spotify, I was like, these are not clicking for me, and I don't know why, because I definitely remember Candlebox from the time, but I was like, I must just not have, like, actually experienced these songs in any big way, like, they must not have been as ubiquitous as I felt like the name Candlebox was. Also, I think I when I was kind of talking about Collective Souls being sort of a grungy band, I think I was thinking more of Candlebox because Candlebox is heavier. Gotcha. So it made more sense that he's referencing Nirvana with Candlebox because those are definitely heavier, grungier bands. But why would this annotator be like, this is a reference to the Nirvana song Heart Shaped Box, but then they're not going to question why the word candles just tossed in there? You ought to know. Which is Danny had to tell me was as an as an Alanis Morissette song, right? And that's not annotated here either. You ought to know that was well, her. Danny, first you're going to have to make a genius account and go uh, annotate this. That was the song that like that's the song where she's singing about how someone broke up with her, and it's basically like an fu song to her ex boyfriend, and he's there's the infamous line where she's like, "Will your new girlfriend go down on you in a theater?" And that was like a provocative lyric for the time. That's the lyric in the song. I'm not going to believe it. That's part of the culture. That song was, that lyric was pretty controversial for the time, and it wasn't censored on the radio either. Pretty odd to think about it. That's a very sexual line for the time, maybe? I don't know. Um, but I had that first Alanis Morissette album. I even had an Alanis Morissette concert bootleg that I like found randomly at a record store one time and I had an Alanis Morissette poster. I just thought with that first album she was really cool because I loved because all I had at the time was grunge music. I hadn't discovered ska and pop punk and she like presented herself as like this new version of like cool uh, indie rock sort of grunge adjacent girl. So I thought she was really cool at the time. And then the second her second album came out I'm like, oh well, oh thanks. <laughs> She's just Canadian. She's just Canadian. And then everyone used to talk about the fact that she had two bubblegum pop albums in Canada before she broke internationally as kind of like, you know, a rock, grunge, pop rock, indie rock sort of person. And then Jessica, when I told her that, she had never heard of all that. She's like, that's where the story from How I Met Your Mother comes (laughs) into play. What's that character's name? Colby Smolders? Well, that's Colby Smolders is the actress, but that's Robin. Yeah. Robin's character has a background where she she was a pop star in Canada, but no one in America knows about it, including her own friends. And I'm like, that is based on the story of Alanis Morissette. Yeah, because then she goes and she does, uh, she becomes, in the end, she's like Robin Daggers or something like like that and she does like her like Alanis Morissette type song yeah like like, angry songs yeah her angry song also like Alanis Morissette became the we're going to talk a lot more about this stuff but this in the Patreon half of this episode but this is what I want to say in front of the paywall Alanis Morissette got all this kind of like both in a good way and a bad way she got all this kind of guff for being like the angry voice of the Gen X woman And like, cool, yeah, like Gen X women had a lot to be angry about. Women have a lot to be angry about in general. But like 
Alanis Morissette's music overall was not that angry and I have that CD and there's a lot of like sweet nice songs on there like One Hand in My Pocket and like all these really nice songs but then like the media never adjusted after her other singles weren't never as angry as you ought to know and they would still refer to her at the time as angry female rocker Alanis Morissette and I'm like she's not angry and there was a show called uh, this is real like deep cuts folks <laughs> but i just gotta get this off my chest because when i was in middle school i don't even was... know if we'll need to do the patreon danny you're <laughs> you're giving all your stories up right here <laughs> there used to be a show called friday night videos that would come on after conan o'brien on friday nights and it actually was an old show from when mtv was big in the 80s but if you didn't have cable you would watch friday night videos on nbc but it was like the waning days of this awful show on NBC where they would play basically clips from music videos after Conan O'Brien and they would have like scrolling text across the video talking about the, the, what you're watching like pre pop-up video and they were like playing one of the like nice happy love songs from later in the album cycle for Alanis Morissette's big album and they're like, why is it? And then the text on screen was like, why is Alanis so angry? She sold so many albums. I'm like, we're listening to the song. The song isn't angry. What is wrong with you? And that just shows you how the media looks at women, especially NBC. And you know who worked for NBC? Jay Leno. And you know who hates Jay Leno? Alex, who called in last week. Ooh, 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 summertime. Ooh, 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 feeling so sublime. And so sublime has a song do, called Doing Time where they sample. Uh, and they have a song. Summertime and the well, right, right. easy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm a Sublime fan, but I, it's not like I can, yeah, I'm okay. Did you grow like, up to the sounds of Sublime with Rome? Right. <laughs> Do we need to explain that again? No, we reference it enough, okay. I think. Uh, ooh, 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 boys to men. Boy to man. Boy to man, sorry. Oh, he's already doing the song man over here. Um, <laughs> uh, so boys to men, obviously, a band back in the day, or a right. A boy band, a group? Of- well, they were like a Motown. They were like a yeah, late generation yeah. Motown R&B vocal group. And then when boy bands got big in the late 90s, they got kind of tied into it. And then there was that boy band Christmas special that was on <laughs> TV recently. And it was like oh, all the all the lesser boy band members <laughs> on a on like a cozy house set singing songs and, and it like was rough doing Christmas skits. And I they was had like, two of I've the boys never felt older than I do right now. <laughs> but they had two of the boys to men and both of them were like, we weren't boys to men. Yeah, I mean, we weren't boy bands, you know, and they're like, oh, I know. And then they had Mel, they had Mel C come in from the Spice Girls and they're like, yeah. we're doing the girl group Christmas across the street, which you don't actually see. It's a lie. It's just like a skit. But again, she get- was there. I was like, they kept singing songs and stuff. I'm like, get Mel C to sing. What are you doing? She comes in for like, what? you flew her out from England for just for this. <laughs> and, and like, is that implying that she's the lesser of the Spice Girls? If she's the one who came in to do the boy band Christmas special on network television. I mean, I don't want to think that. She was definitely the third, my third favorite Spice Girl. <laughs> uh, ooh, 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 my Pearl Jam. Pearl right. Jam. Now I feel like we're really getting into them just like th- trying to throw out the rest of what they got left. Yeah. <laughs> because he's like, ooh, my Pearl Jam. There's no cleverness to that at all. And then except- it just goes back to ooh, 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 
summertime. Ooh, back in '99. Ooh, 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 take my hand. Ooh, 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 baby, you're my jam. Yeah. For no reason, apparently, I put sex and candy at the very end of this playlist, and I don't really know why. Maybe just for the heck of it. I guess so. I would have loved it if they referenced sex and candy <laughs> in this song. Um, That'd be amazing. <laughs> I can't believe we're going for this long and we still didn't do our break, but that just shows you that, hey, you may think this is a pretty vapid song, but it's actually pretty deep. We're going pretty deep into this song. We're having a good time. This is our jam, Jess. I didn't even get to talk about heart songs yet. So we'll take our break and when we come back, we'll talk about Weezer's heart songs. It's like a whole nother podcast. Thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. If you want to support us, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And you can also interact with the show by calling our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE. Check out our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. There you can see the visuals that we discuss each week, and you can send emails to us at sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. Also, sadiehawkinspod.com is your one-stop shop for all our social links and to get to our Tee Public store for shirts, mugs, and stickers of all our various logo designs. Treat yourself to a Sadie Hawkins Pod shirt or confuse a loved one by gifting one to them. We would also like to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins Pod, who include Isaac, James, Kindell, Timothy, Daniel, Josh, Jay, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Samantha, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, and Brady. Twice a month, we have bonus episodes, including reviews of the songs from K is for Karaoke, and you can hear our backlog of bonus episodes, including reading through the entire complex infrastructure known as the Female Mind book that Reliant K did or did not write. You'll have to go over there to find out who wrote it. So donate that money today. What you gonna do? You sitting on that money? You got that stimmy check oh, no. from years ago? <laughs> Send it our way. Send it our way. Send ye our Send, way. Send ye money our way. So we come back from break, and I'm still at the board. <laughs> I just want to mention Weezer's heart songs real quick. I have played this for Jessica in the car before because I'm like. Oh, you don't like That's My Jam by Relying K? Here's Heart Songs by Weezer. And this is what it generally sounds like. So this is from the Red Album, which is at 2008. And it's more or less the same thing, where he's just referencing all these songs that meant a lot to him growing up, learning to be a songwriter himself. It's not the same kind of, like, wordplay thing that Matt and Adam do in... The in uh, that's my jam, but it's so sappy. It's just awful. <laughs> this was one of my first because like when people used to talk about how like Weezer was going downhill, I was like totally with them all throughout. Like, you know, first of all, I think Pinkerton is aged horribly, even though everyone says it's like their masterpiece. I'm like, I think Pinkerton is aging very, very badly. Uh, I'm sorry. I think the Blue Album aged perfectly. Green, uh, the Green Album, Maladroit. Nobody talks about Maladroit. It's like a pure Weezer album, not trying to be poppy radio. Like Maladroit is like this hidden gem in the middle of their discography. Then you got Make Believe, where they're, now they're Make Believe is the beginning of them really trying to like the Beverly Hills stuff and really trying to be like, like top of the pops or whatever. 
And but I didn't with make believe. I was like, no, make believe is awesome. It's still like them being classic Weezer. But then the red album comes out, and I'm like, oh, I see where they're starting to slip. And it's really hard songs that stab me right in the heart. I'm like, oh, I see where Weezer gets really corny. Well, Dan. Heart Songs is so 2000 and late because now they have a new song about how all their favorite songs are slow and sad and all their favorite people make them mad. That's right. And you know, I heard it on K-Rock the other day. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping when that song came out that this here it is from the OK Human album. I was hoping when this song came out that it would be referencing like specific song titles, but I don't think it does, right? It does not. It's some Beatles core right there with the strings and everything. So, yeah, Weezer Heart Songs references Gordon Lightfoot. Now, he, like, picks a whole swath of time periods. It's not like Reliant K's song where it's very confined to the 90s and the late 90s. This is Gordon Lightfoot, Cat Stevens. Oh, he does a little wordplay here. He says, a cat named Stevens found a faith he could believe in. Uh, he references Joan Baez. So, I mean, obviously, well, of course, uh, Rivers is older than Matt Thiessen because he was a super, because he was a rock star by 1994, Rivers was. Mr. Springsteen said he had a hungry heart. Grover Washington was happy on the day he topped the charts. Quiet Riot got me started with banging my head. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and Slayer taught me how to shred. I gotta admit, sometimes I would listen to the radio. Debbie Gibson... Tell me what you think. We're all alone. Michael Jackson's in the mirror. I've got to have faith if I want to see clear. Clear? It says clear, but wouldn't clear be the better rhyme? Never going to give you up. Wish me love or wishing well. It takes... I'm not going to click these annotations. (laughs) It just takes... It takes two to make a thing go right if the Fresh Prince starts a fight. All classics. Don't check out Heart Songs by Weezer <laughs> unless you want to remind yourself. Unless of... that's my jam is your favorite song, and then you might just Actually, really yeah. be into Heart Songs. Really... But I mean, that's part of the reason why. And I... that new slow and sad one too. Yeah, I don't know. When Jessica doesn't enjoy this song, I'm like, this song is fine. You know, Dan, you keep <laughs> saying that, but I haven't actually said how I feel about the song oh, just yet. Oh, maybe we're going to be surprised by the end of the episode. You've completely worn me down on this. More than any other song, any other week, I think, Danny has played this around the house so much <laughs> this week. And I'm like, you've worn me down. And I'm like, it just exists. It's a song now. And I mean, you it's kind of catchy. We make up a lot of parody lyrics to this song, none of which we can repeat here. But exactly. yeah. So <laughs> over at USA Today... They had an article uh, called, listen, Reliant K and Owl City's That's My Jam. From Brian Mansfield, special for USA Today, July 1st, 2013. Reliant K releases Collapsible Lung, its first album in four years on Tuesday. But one of the catchiest tunes from the pop punk group's latest sessions appears only as a bonus track. That's My Jam featuring Reliant K frontman Matt Thiessen and Owl City's Adam Young, reminiscing about favorite Reliant... Favorite 1990s summertime tunes. Name dropping acts like Smashing Pumpkins, Britney Spears, U2, Boys to Men, and Blessed Union of Souls. 
The track's available as an instant download when pre-ordering Collapsible Lung at iTunes. It's not the first time Thiessen and Young have collaborated. Thiessen was a guest vocalist on Owl City's 2009 smash Fireflies and also co-wrote Good Times, the Owl City duet with Carly Rae Jepsen. So there's a little a little USA Today article on that. And then we went over my playlist. And again, in doing my research this week, I found that someone else had also done the work for me oh, okay. if I had uh, <laughs> if I had done my deep dive a year ago. Well, did you have any like things where you went up to that? Actually, or? it might have been newer. Um, so this is over on Tumblr from Reliant K California Fan Club. And actually, I don't know when. The, well, let's see. When was this posted? Hey, we're the Reliant K California Fan Club. <laughs> We've been doing all the work for years now. <laughs> Uh, so they say, I typed a list of all the song references I picked up in the Reliant K song, That's My Jam. This list does not include bands that were referenced without a song. Smashing Pumpkins, 311, Candlebox, Sublime, etc. Well, there, there you go. That's... Yeah. I would have done something, put something in there. Baby One More Time, Britney Spears, Mrs. Jones, Counting Crows, Mr. Jones, sorry. Uh, all for you, <laughs> Sister Hazel. Song to Blur. Mysterious Ways You Two. Waterfalls. Uh, TLC. Wonderwall Oasis. You Were Meant for Me, Jewel. Who Will Save Your Soul, Jewel. Heart Shaped Box Nirvana. And You Ought to Know, Alanis Morissette. Well, I think your playlist is probably much better because we went in and we figured out a song for every band. Oh, wow. This is actually about. back from November 23rd, 2013. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I think we do. I'm glad you did the work. Uh, then we have a blog called Our Stage. Uh, Reliant K premiere That's My Jam featuring Owl City. Just days after announcing plans to release a new album this summer, Reliant K have released the, a new song entitled That's My Jam. Partnering with summer hit maker Owl City, That's My Jam harkens back to an earlier time in Reliant K's career certainly does since they started in 1998 uh, and their their self their uh, <laughs> self-titled wasn't until 2000 uh, the introspective somewhat folk sound of their late last album has vanished and been replaced with radio ready pop and studio magic it's a fun song that we'll probably hear a lot this summer and that's exactly what Reliant K needs you can stream the song below where would you hear it is a it lot exactly this what they need I don't think I've ever heard... I don't think anyone's ever heard this song out in the wild. It's not even like... It wasn't even fully released. It's not on streaming. It was a YouTube exclusive, basically. You know what? I just realized there's a couple of uh, of Darren's Dance Grooves artists mentioned in this <laughs> song. Maybe instead of doing my playlist, you and I, well, it's on YouTube, will do a video Patreon where we have to follow along to Darren's Dance Grooves. Oh, no. <laughs> including... <laughs> learning the in sync bye 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 dance. Oh wow! <laughs> and I um, think he does hit me, baby. Are one you more sure time. you can do that with your lungs still repairing? <laughs> well, nobody said we had to do it this week exactly. We have uh, another week or so in January, don't we? I guess. <laughs> then over on uh, Reddit r slash Reliant K three years ago, uh, Kalizer said uh discussion why did spotify remove that's my jam from collapsible lung could be totally out of the loop here but why can't i find it on spotify anymore i need i had the need to listen to it and couldn't find it so sad had to resort to youtube tragic i know 
uh, Dad Rock responded, it's not technically part of the album. It's a bonus track. Uh, Calazar responded, thanks. <laughs> what? I was going to say, bonus tracks are part of the album, but they're just wherever the bonus track is. Uh, they said, but wasn't it before? I could have sworn I listened to it on Spotify when Collapsible Lung was released. City Electric Records three years ago said two versions of the song, two slightly different mixes. I prefer the slightly grittier one over the other. To which Kalazar responded, there are two different mixes. Where are the two mixes? I would like to hear the differences. Oh. Obi-Wan 3301 said, I concur. Uh, Electric... City Electric Records said the video version versus the iTunes version, subtle oh. differences, easier to hear with something that puts out decent bass. Hmm. Uh, and Obi Wan three three zero one said that's my that that rules my Jeep stereo out. Huh? Yeah, I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. I so mean... was it used in a Pizza Hut commercial? Or... <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. I'm looking up uh, iTunes. No, you know what? That's my jam isn't even on iTunes anymore. There's been a there's been sort of a culling of iTunes over the last several years where a lot of stuff has come down, especially like things like bonus content and music videos that I remember being there are no longer like sold on on iTunes any longer. Um, so. Yeah, there's, there might not be any way for us to specifically corroborate that there is a slightly different mix, but I kind of believe it because, you know, I wh- what was it? There's that Air for Free song where there's the long pause uh, sleeping. Is it sleeping? I don't know. Whatever. Sorry, I'm reading ahead. <laughs> um, I guess it's available in certain countries, maybe. I was reading uh, further down, and MP- MCP Gaming said... Since you didn't get a clear answer, I'll provide one. That's My Jam was an iTunes exclusive and Terminals was an Amazon exclusive, meaning Spotify doesn't get them. Okay. But yeah, I'm sure like different territories get bonus tracks and other ones don't. Uh, I'm not speaking specifically to whether or not that has happened for That's My Jam, but I'm just saying I would find it believable if you were in England or something and you'd find That's My Jam available. Maybe. I don't know. So, anyway. That's what I got. What do you have? Well, I don't have... COVID? (laughs) I don't have COVID, and I don't have the two mixes of... um, Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That reminds me. Mm -hmm. The other night, Danny was in bed, and I was brushing my teeth. And as I finished brushing my teeth, and I started to come to bed, he was like, hey, Jessica, you know what the best thing about having a... He said, Jessica, you know what the best thing about you having COVID is? And I said, what? And he said that it's happening to you, not me. Oh. In tune <laughs> like, oh, to I'm the best thing. To my own joke. <laughs> I could only make a joke like that when I knew you were coming out the other side of it. Oh, oh, oh. I say so as cruel. you start coughing. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Connor's Connor got it. Two weeks after his wife had it, and we're pretty much there. So are you hoping it happens to me now? No, I don't want it to happen to you. Okay, I appreciate that. I'm hoping that you you get out scot-free. <laughs> I appreciate that. But speaking of Connor, the first thing we have is something that I've been holding on to for a while. And uh, that is this, and I think you might have sent us some other stuff from this as well. 
but um from rave dj like when we talked about rave dj a lot a year or two oh, ago nice. yeah a bunch of people used it and were making stuff and sending it to us oh cool um oh wait <laughs> april's playing with a bone in the background if you hear her uh jingle jangle in the back scratch that this is joel's this is joel's <laughs> I was going to say, Joel is the one who is into the Rave DJ stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I? I wrote Joel. Like, I don't know why this in my head. I'm just like a guy's name, a person's name. I think I mix. I mix people up all the time. And I'm so sorry. Don't feel bad. He mixes up April and I as well. Yeah, I call Jessica April all the time. So if I call people by the wrong names, I'm sorry. This is DJ Joel, Joel Polk's song where he mashed up and you know as if you haven't heard of rave dj before you can't control it it's ai generated mashups of two different songs all you do is put in the the song titles and it it decides how it's going to mash them up so here is that's my shoes reliant k bonus rap combined with reliant k featuring al cities that's my jam silly shoes it's silly shoes and that's my jam combined nice turn up the record because the song's just begun I'm smashing pumpkins like it's November 1. I like how it's chopping up the first verse of uh, That's My Jam So Badly. <laughs> it's going back and forth between Britney and Smashing Pumpkins. That's fun. It's holding a tentative grip on stability. Like, yeah. I feel like it's going to fall apart any <laughs> right? second, especially since Silly Shoes is a totally cattywampus catty song that has right. no core structure. It's going to fall apart any second. I'm going to skip ahead. This is a two-minute uh, mashup. I'm going to skip ahead to a minute and 24 seconds. April. Sorry, April just came over and started making noises. That holds together pretty well throughout (laughs) the whole thing. I mean, it's ridiculous, (laughs) as ridiculous as "Silly Shoes" is a song we have to do someday. But that's that holds together so that holds together so well. Hi, April. We love you. You're our jam. Yeah. Well, that's the first cover I have, but there are actually other covers. Uh, There's no official performances. Of this song, I did not look at set list, but I absolutely didn't find anything on YouTube. And I feel like if it existed, someone would have caught it because it would have been a very uh, special occasion. April agrees. <laughs> you know what I didn't do? I didn't, I'm just going to do one quick double check. And that's to t- just type in Owl City. That's my jam. Just to make sure that there's no other stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Good call. No, it seems to just come up with the same videos that I found with Reliant K. There's no... 
Oh, Al City has a song called Clap Your Hands. So somehow YouTube Ooh, thought that, that must mashup. be what I mean. <laughs> that should be a mashup. Maybe we'll do that for the social media or for the Patreon episode. So um, let's see. So for covers, <laughs> April. So for covers, there's Piano Dreamers. So here's Piano Dreamers. So funny. So funny that, that Piano they would, Dreamers would cover this. Yeah. Oh, ads when I should be logged in as Jessica and then I don't have to deal with ads because she has YouTube Premium and then she gets to deal with the algorithm thinking she loves the song That's My Jam because I play it on her account a whole bunch. So here's Piano Dreamer's version of this song. <laughs> what do you think? It's so like oddly repetitive. Yeah, it's all the vocal melody, huh? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I don't know how... Now we're getting a little bit of a variation in here. Like, I don't know how much you can trust, like, a piano cover necessarily to really help you understand the melody of a song. Like, if the piano artist is interpreting something or removing something from the original song. But what I'm hearing here is that the thrust of the song is, like, the vocal melody and that there might not be a lot in the music behind. Maybe? Because all they're doing is this simple dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun and then doing the vocal melody on top. So it makes me wonder if I went back and listened to the song again if it's just the vocals pushing it. Well, we can check out maybe the guitar tribute players. Oh yeah, I forgot I'm using YouTube Premium now so it doesn't shut off when I close it. So from one cover bot, more official cover bot company to another... Uh, this is the Acoustic Tribute Players and their version of this song. And again, a weird selection that these tribute cover bot companies would decide to do this YouTube, this iTunes exclusive and YouTube yeah, exclusive bonus yeah. track. When not everyone can hear it. It's right. such an odd choice. Or, you know, not everyone would know it exists right. without kind of digging and Yeah, that's it. what I meant, yeah. I did not hate that. The guitar <laughs> melody with different lyrics, I am here for. I mean, it is a very... And I'm not just being, like, uh, swept away by the romantic guitar tribute version of it. But I'll say that, like, there's a nice melody to this song. There is, Whereas, yeah. like, so many other, like, radio pop singles, there's been, like, sort of, like, a, a falling back from melody. So many pop singles nowadays are really built around rhythms and not so much expressing a real, like, creative melody. Mm -hmm. And there is a creative melody to this. Now, whether or not the instrumentation, the combination of Al City's aesthetic with Reliant K's and it being put in a collapsible long blender, whether or not that, like, final 
structure appeals to you is a whole nother thing but what you know the vocal melody with different lyrics whatever it's a very creative nice vocal melody so from one from two fancy instruments to a third first we got piano then we got classical style guitar now we get a violin cover and this is by ivana fey i-v-a-n-a is the first name f-e-i is the last name and this is a short violin cover and this is on soundcloud not on youtube nice not perfect this is like a a fan creation and they're just kind of doing their because you there's little moments and a violin i understand is like a super hard instrument yeah. to learn and play yeah and to maintain and to tune and all that stuff but that you know that that's more than a for effort that's really good if, if there's some sour notes like they still did a great job of giving us that kind of version that was really good yeah uh and then there's one more <laughs> so four instrumental covers Here's another more of a full band sort of style cover. And this is by Satin Skylight on YouTube. I don't even remember what this sounds like, so let's hear it. It's a sexy name. I feel like David S. Podkins is going to hop out at any moment. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm so glad this version exists because this is not uh, giving us the vocal melody at all. There's no vocals, nor is there an instrument recreating the vocal melody. So we're now we're actually getting to really hear an instrument, a true instrumental version of this song. And yeah, it's just a really simple groove that is actually pretty unassuming that seems to just be there in the service of the vocal melody, which is not something I sort of normally think of. I don't know if that's more possibly heard in a Al City song, since I am not so deep with Al City. But to hear something where the instruments are just so simple, just a simple groove that's just there to propel the lyrics forward. I don't think I know of a Reliant K song that's... that. I don't think there's any Reliant K song like that. I don't think there's any Reliant K song where you would say the instruments are just a simple, unassuming groove that maybe on its own isn't even memorable. That's just there to service the vocals. You know what I mean? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, the guitar licks and the bass and the drums of like every one of your favorite Reliant K songs. But there's no verse. There's no Reliant K songs where all the instrumentation is kind of a backseat to everything else going on in the song. So I'm glad that Satin Skylight gave us this version to give us some sort of a understanding of that. 
since I have to be honest, I didn't try to dig that deeply into this song because <laughs> it's that's my jam, the bonus track from Collapsible Lung. So there's one more cover, and this is a like actual like acoustic cover performed by one person. This is Jeremiah Satterfield on YouTube. Hello, friends. This is my cover of That's My Jam by Reliant K. Yeah, I am all about the soulful guitar version of this song. <laughs> with all that, with all that like little invention at the beginning, which yeah. obviously does not come from the original song. Love it. Here for it. great voice but i enjoy the song without the lyrics <laughs> that's funny uh, there's a quality to adam young's voice that a lot of people are able to replicate mm. i've noticed that um uh, they're not things that i usually bring to the show but occasionally i find i know i've definitely brought a few of them to the show people who can approximate adam young's voice very very closely which is funny to me because Adam Young's voice also has a very close quality to T-Sins, but there's just that like dreamy, breathy thing that Adam Young does that a lot of people will do, and it makes them sound more Adam Youngish. But then no one can really fully replicate T-Sins voice, or at least no one, if they can, are out there doing it online the way that people are out there doing Adam Young impressions, which makes me wonder, what's the quality in Adam Young's voice that people are able to duplicate? Is it just that sort of like singing while you're breathing in sort of thing that I kind of get the sense of? Or uh, can people approximate Maybe Maybe that's what the male millennial voice is. You know how I always say I'm like (laughs) cursed with a female millennial voice because it's vocal fry the vocal fry yeah so i'm like maybe maybe adam young has the male singing millennial voice (laughs) maybe well that's it for covers um then we have others like a whole bunch there's none of this is worth getting into now i just found a bunch of weird like little meme type videos that uh you know we're all called that's my jam at different points i found like somebody's uh local television show that was called that's my jam which now i'm sure they're very upset that Jimmy Fallon has taken the name of their show. I saw someone's like video where they're like spending the day at grandma's pool <laughs> and they cut all that footage together nice. for this song. Some people on their Puerto Rico vacation. Um, there is one literal teen music video where this is uploaded by uh, WaspNet, which we've talked about before. W. S-U-P-Net. We've talked about some of their videos before. This is their literal teen music video to this song as well, where they just, like, (coughs) do a little cosplay. 
they do a little cosplay of every uh, line. Uh, so when they funny. say Mr. Jones, they put on a beard so they look a old. A beard like made Mr. out Jones of cotton balls. That's cute. Yeah. And he was doing almost an Abe Lincoln thing because he had like a little hat on too. <laughs> so it made me think like, I wonder if they really did their, if they knew all of these references. Because I feel like, I mean, a lot of early, a lot of, a lot of younger Reliant K fans probably don't know every reference going on in this song. And uh, so I don't mean to discredit the younger generation or whatever. I don't mean to be. I didn't old know man. a lot of the references in this song. Yeah. And you're only a couple years <laughs> yeah. younger than me. So it just made me think like if they're doing a music video, are they going to like mess up some of the visual representations of certain songs? Rude. These people are music aficionados, Danny. Well, they're, they didn't try to do anything but blur. They just did a little dance together. And they got little fake mustaches on. And they put little sunglasses on. This is and adorable. And each one takes a turn going up to the camera to sing, to lip sync the line in the song. It's a really cute video. Oh, so uh, they don't do a little... So they don't do a little bit for every line in the song. Now they're pretending to play instruments. They're just doing silly stuff for the camera. Yeah. I didn't watch this far into it. Big Disney fans, too. Lots of little, little Disney stuff up in the back. Okay, well, when he said 98 degrees, he put a fan on himself because he was too hot. <laughs> That's cute. And ooh, then... Ooh, ooh, ooh. Back in 99. Well, the what we'll end on is I, like, couldn't... So when I f- found the first one of these, I'm like, okay, I find... I won't say what it is yet, but... I found the first one of these, and I was like, oh, yeah, I find these for a couple songs once in a while, sure. Then I found the second one, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I've definitely found Reliant K songs where there's two of these on YouTube. Then I found the third one. And like, oh, okay, this, apparently this song is popular with at least three people who share this other interest. Then I found the fourth one. I'm like, okay, this is... This is funny. Then I found the fifth one. Then I found the sixth one. Then I found the seventh one. Seven different horse tributes. What? <laughs> what? All what? by different people. What? 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 Seven. Let me say that one more time. Seven different people on YouTube made a tribute to their horse set to this song. What? Different what people. is it about? Not May the Horse Be With You. No. This song. Yeah. I think there were maybe two or three tributes to hor- tri- tributes to people's personal horses. What? To the Horse Be With You. Seven. And when I was done, I had to open all seven of them in their own window, seven tabs, and I deliberately like copy and pasted each username. So I'm like, I'm not misreading this, right? These are seven different users who all made music video tributes to their horses. Are the horses all named Jam? <laughs> oh. Is that the the common denominator? Well, this one is uploaded by Roos Sky Love and uh, R-O-L-U Sky Love. First video, we hope you like our first video on our channel. Sorry, there isn't much of Libby in there. Next time we get more of her, enjoy. So Libby's either the horse or the rider, it doesn't say. But it's just a horse running around, jumping jumping over obstacles through the grass. 
Cute. Multiple different uh, aspect ratios. Wow. So sometimes the phone was up, sometimes it was down. Art, and that's art like, like Adam Young's first dance was in '99. That was our first horse video. We won't watch all of them, the but here's the second one. That's that's not canon, right? <laughs> so here's Maria Pan Pandera, and this is like a mini horse. Oh no, this might be multiple horses. This is a whole horse farm. Okay, so not everyone's just specifically to one horse, but this is their day at the horse farm. There's nice. no, there's no thing on here about. Uh, explaining it I just by the seventh one I was like wow it just doesn't end here's another one this one's just called summertime this is by Julia Julie Z I can't pronounce her last name Julie Z so something about this song wow. and horses what is it what is it I don't understand Uh, Horse girls love nostalgia. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Jessica definitely has this thing about horse girls every time we watch horse videos. Whoa, that sounds wrong. Jessica has opinions <laughs> about horse girls. <laughs> I, I said thing about, not thing for. I didn't say thing for. I said thing about. I guess you grew up with, and there were girls I, uh, that liked horses. I don't and get you horse had, girls. No, they, I just, I've never had that desire to have a horse. In fact, I used to be... I've always been just a ball of anxiety, and I used to be like, I would feel bad for horses. I'd be like, man, I would not want a human to ride around on me all day. Like, I feel bad for the horses. Do they actually like that? And my parents would be like, yes, they love being like ridden. That's what they love to do. They love to go trotting along and go on stuff because we would go on, you know, different, you know, trips and stuff. And sometimes we would go horseback riding on the trips and I would always feel bad. I'm like, oh, but I, I feel bad about this. They You're should so just kind. be allowed to be free and do what they want to do. I don't know. Why didn't this come out on our May the Horse Be With You episode? I don't know. I feel like we <laughs> talked about horse girls maybe a little bit on the May the Horse Be With You episode. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe that was too early of an episode. I'm not sure. But if you're a horse girl, I don't mean to, to offend, offend you. you. Yeah. It's just Jessica doesn't get loving horses in that way. Or yeah. she's like, the horses should all be free. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> Wild horses couldn't drag her away <laughs> from telling me if you, Jessica, like this song the same. Oh, one more thing, because it keeps not coming up for the last two weeks. Congratulations to Semler. Oh, for, yeah. We haven't said it in a main episode. We I, I said like last week, I was like, oh, we'll talk about this later. And then we didn't. And it's really like the COVID stuff has just like jam-packed these episodes full of things we have to talk about. So hopefully when we that's have... my jam-packed these episodes. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, hopefully, in a top of the show next week, we'll actually talk about th the exciting news of Semler getting to open for the entire Um Yeah tour. It's like super deserved. And obviously, you probably, I mean, maybe you heard our mini episode where we posted our interview and stuff, but I wanted to actually talk about it as a current event. And now it'll be three weeks out since the <laughs> news was made, but it's amazing news and we're super happy and over the moon. Wonderful time. Hope to be there in Boston or Orlando to see that. Now, Jessica, what do you think of That's My Jam? What do you rate it on our scale, our three-star scale? It's basically, when you nail it, when you narrow down what we do every week, it's a three-star scale. Well, we that, call that, it, that changes the, uh, the context, it, In though. your mind, but yeah. it's a three-point scale, and we say, do you like it the same? Like, I, wouldn't, I would not more? give this one, two, or three stars 
I I grade it based on whether I like the song before or how I feel about it now. So it's not not quite the same. Well, I mean, two stars means, oh, yeah, you're right. If you love yeah. a song, you give it three stars. It's a three-point system. And we say, do you like it the same, less, or more than before we... I love that you say that like this is anybody's first episode. Like anybody is going, oh, there's this podcast over here called Sadie Hawkins Pod. And they're doing That's My Jam, my most favorite Reliant K song. We're probably getting some of those Owl City fans. <laughs> Maybe. Um, what do you call an Owl City fan? <laughs> you were going to say the Horse Girls. <laughs> and the Horse Girls. But what do you call an Owl City fan? Are they like the the youngins? Because his last name is young, Younglings? Or are they the Feathers? <laughs> the Feather Kids. They're called the Feather Kids because Owls. What are Owl City fans called? You tell me what you think of this song while I look up what Owl City fans are called. Uh, I like <laughs> I like this song a little more than I did before. Wow. Because uh, you've just worn me down on it. Wow, that's amazing. I think the only other time I really ever did that in the history of this podcast specifically was the Collapse of a Long Title song. Nope. But... I, well, I mean, you wore me down so much that I was just like, I, I don't know, it exists. <laughs> and I just could feel nothing. <laughs> and we had to do that episode three times because the first two times it kept getting yes, destroyed. <laughs> that that's why. that's That was what happened with it was that the... the <laughs> but Jessica had these very... <laughs> technical issues. Oh, man. <laughs> Jessica had these very anti-collapsible uh, long title song points of view where I'm like, I see where you're coming from. But here's why I think you should you could see it differently. It's not like Deathbed where I would never argue with you about your anxieties about Deathbed. And I'm like, here's the other thing for Collapse Belong. And by the time I said these points the third time, Jessica was like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so this one seems to be a much more organic, <laughs> a much more organic turning you to this song. Uh, yeah, I like it a little bit more as well. And I liked it okay before we did the song, before we did this episode. But I like it a little bit more now. And I don't think, I will never like Heart Songs by Weezer. That is just, that is, it's not a bad song. It is just like a really, really difficult song to listen to. What about all these songs are slow and sad or all my favorite songs are slow and sad? That song's okay. That song's okay. Yeah. Okay, Human. 